your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Wednesday afternoon episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And thank you all so much for making the Locked On Penguins podcast your first listen of the day. Uh, what a game last night by your Pittsburgh Penguins, a 6-2 victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, we got to start the show off, though, um, with a huge shout-out to Brian Boyle. What a story. What a goal. I mean, I promised I would lead off with this last night from the Locked On Penguins Twitter account. I had to deliver. Um, did not think that was going to happen. I saw everyone reacting very accordingly on Penguins Twitter throughout the night, especially, you know, when that happened. But I'm just, I, I couldn't be ha- more happy for him. Just, you know, coming back from not even playing in the NHL for a year due to cancer and to score in his first game back. Um, that's what sports can do. And it's just such a legendary moment for him. I mean, the guy played for the Team USA in the World Championships this past summer with a bunch of kids and then comes back, signs with the team after making it, and then scores um, just a gigantic goal in the second period to put the Penguins up to nothing. I know Dominic Simone ended up having the game-winning goal, but um, the Penguins do not win that game without that goal. So, Awesome job from Brian Boyle. Um, and just thread the needle five hole on Andre Vasilevsky. It looked like he fooled him the entire way. I think Vasilevsky was thinking he was going to go upstairs or towards his blocker, but um, he, he basically just froze when Boyle slid that right between his pads and the Penguins were off and running with that goal. Well, after the first goal with Danton Hyam, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, but also, what a pass by Sam Lafferty there. I mean, I don't know where that play came from with Lafferty, but that might have been the best play that he's made during his NHL career besides scoring that goal on Ilya Samsonov coming down uh, the left wing circle. I think he shot it uh, blocker side over him against the Caps in 2019 or 2020, something like that. Uh, but that saucer pass hit Boyle right on the tape. He was able to finish it off. So I really enjoyed that play overall. Tampa Bay was definitely sleepwalking a bit, but you know both players on that goal, just really awesome to watch. So I really wanted to start the show off by shouting out Brian Boyle for that great moment. And you can see just how much he means to the team already because they – I mean, the players that were on the ice, you know, Marcus Pedersen, Sam Lafferty, John Marino, pretty sure Drew O'Connor was on the ice too. They all came over and just mobbed him because of what that moment meant to Boyle. So awesome stuff there. Uh, we kicked off the Danton Heinen hive with a great goal. I loved how Jeff Carter was able to intercept that pass uh, at the back of the net. I don't really know what Andre Vasilevsky was doing there. Just kind of shot it right at his seat, but then Carter makes the heads up play. Passes it to Heinen, who basically has a half-empty cage. Vasilevsky was not able to get back in time, and Heinen gets his first goal of the season. You know, I know Jeff, who has gone on this podcast before, is sweating a little bit because that is Heinen's first goal. If he gets the 10 goals this year, he is the one that is going to be cockeye barbecue from Youngstown, Ohio. So, only nine more, Jeff. I can't wait to hopefully get that free barbecue from a place that has, well, looks like it has amazing food and again I really feel like Heinen is going to be a great player for this team 
You saw that finishing ability from him last night. Again, you know, I understand it was a half-empty net, but, you know, the way he was able to be at the right position at the right time shows his hockey IQ. So that was a nice goal. Um, The penalty that he took in the second period was just a bunch of BS. Um, I don't think for as long as I've been watching the sport, seen a penalty called on and offsides. I don't think that's ever happened before. Um, Obviously, you know, the Tampa Bay player sold it a little bit, but... I really didn't understand that call from the referee. That was kind of a bit weird, um, at least in my opinion. Another big storyline from this game, continuing the big storyline segment here from this opener, Dominic Simone gets a nice goal on kind of a seeing-eye shot from the right point. Vasilevsky, I don't even think saw it. I mean, I think there was a lot of traffic, and I think it was a double screen, actually. And then before, as the puck is honestly going past him, that's when he finally reacts. But at that point, it's too late. Talked about this a lot the last week and a half to two weeks. Dominic Simone was going to be in the opening net roster. And if he continues to play like that, he will be playing every game on a nightly basis. I always compare him, you know, just with scoring goals. It's like, wow, you know, happy learned how to putt. So, you know, he puts everything else together and starts uh, scoring a lot more goals. Um, This player is going to start winning over hopefully a lot more fans in this fan base. Let's say that because I understand he definitely has his critics. But again, if he can keep scoring like we saw last night, well, it doesn't need to be every goal a seeing eye shot. But if he can continue to get to the scoring areas and be a good playmaker, um, he's going to be a fan favorite pretty quick. Because I did see some really nice passes from him last night. I think one of them resulted in that Evan Rodriguez breakaway where he kind of flubbed on it. He just has to get a shot off there. I know Rodriguez scored an empty net goal later in the game. But that's still an area where I want to see him improve. You know, getting off a shot on the breakaway. But I thought Simone had a very strong night. Uh, Brian Rust also gets an empty net goal. It was it was weird, you know, talking about, you know, more big storylines. John Cooper went full Patrick Waugh when the Penguins were up 3-0 with six minutes left. It was good that the Lightning scored. It's like, okay, that gamble played off for him. But then 20 seconds later, he's pulling the goalie again. I don't get that strategy. I would have waited till about the three-minute mark to pull him again because at this point, uh, you're asking for the Penguins to put the game away, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, you know, but 20, 30 seconds later, you know, Teddy Bluger makes it four to one. I understand Tampa comes back about a couple minutes later, makes it four two, and then he just pulls his goal again, and then you know, there's another empty net goal to make it five two, and then of course, you know, six two. But I think Cooper kind of played himself a little bit in that situation. He should have just waited a couple of minutes before pulling the goalie because at that point. You would have seen how your team did it even strength. Tampa Bay was starting to buzz a little bit. Why risk another open net when you're down two with five minutes left when the Penguins can just shoot it right down? And that's exactly what they did to put the game away uh, four to one. And I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on the play of Chris Letang, two assists in that game. And he was everywhere, always having the right read, making the right pass, getting in to the scoring areas, being great in the defensive zone. It was a clinic from Latang in this game. And dare if I say, if he plays like that every game this season, uh, he will be a Norris finalist by the end of the season. You know, I, I, again, it's probably not going to happen when he plays like this every game. But when Latang does have games like this, you can see why so many people, including myself, have him as a top five defenseman when he is on top of his game. I've been saying that for the last four to five years, and I will die on the hill that when he is on his A++ game, there are not five defensemen in this league that I would take over him, especially with his offensibility and his play 
in the defensive zone. I loved what I saw from John Marino last night. Looked very poised playing with Marcus Pedersen. I think that's where he needs to keep playing even uh, when Mike Matheson comes back. We'll have more on that in the next segment, but was also always making the right read. I thought he had a nice couple defensive plays to break up some scoring chances from the Lightning. And um, I will say this. I will end this segment with Mike Sullivan. This was a total masterclass of a coaching performance from this franchise's head coach. Not only did he tie Dan Bilesmer for the most regular season wins of all time, but you could see how much the players bought in to the system last night. It was defensive first hockey. The forecheck was ferocious. They were not giving Tampa anything off the rush or even anything shorthanded. If I uh, go and find this tweet, so here, check this out. All this data comes from natural stature. Jesse Marshall, who was just on the podcast, tweeted this out. The Penguins outattempted Tampa Bay 54 to 47. They outchanced them 32 to 23, and they had 66% of the expected goals at even strength. The Lightning only had four high danger scoring chances at all situations. Uh, that is a dominant performance from your Penguins and goes to show that when everyone buys into the system, this is a very, and I mean a very hard team to beat. And I loved what Dominic Simone actually said after this game. He goes, I don't think they liked our four track too much. I feel like we play hard. John Cooper basically echoed the same sentiment. He goes, yeah, outside of our goalie, I think we basically stung tonight. And I think if we played their farm team, I don't think it would have mattered. We still would have lost. So that's high praise from Cooper. He knows how good of a coach Mike Sullivan is. And, you know, I, t I talked about this on my Twitter um, during the game as well. Um, I was This was probably the least confident that I had been going into a Penguins game in about five to six years. Uh, and the fact that they put up that performance goes to show that I really should not doubt Mike Sullivan ever again. So the Penguins get those two points. They get to 1-0 on the season. Going into the Florida Panthers, though, uh, the coverage will not stop there. Coming up in the next segment, I'm going to go over a couple other players who I also thought had great games last night, including uh, the goaltender, just as a little bit of a tease. We also have P.O. Joseph's recall to touch on as well as some practice notes as the team's practice is just getting underway right now. But before we do that, we do have to touch on everyone's favorite protein bar, which is Built Bar. There's always something for everyone. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, there's salted caramel, double chocolate, mint brownie, raspberry, coconut, cherry barakia, strawberry, cookies, and cream, which is my personal favorite, and of course, the German chocolate. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box, and you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are the Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they are healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of nut carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. You can go to Bilt.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off that order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. You can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, getting into a couple other players who I thought were strong last night, definitely Tristan Jari. Um, I thought he was lights out, looked very calm and poised in the net, made some nice saves with his glove, and just his movement seemed a, a lot better than it was last season. You know, I know, again, it's only one game, but I could definitely notice some differences, you know, with Andy Kyoto compared to Mike Buckley. Uh, I feel like he wasn't as deep in his net. At least that's what I was seeing. Um, he was more square up to the shooters, and he just had that swagger about him all night where nothing really 
was going to beat him. I thought that first goal, Sullivan should have challenged that. I thought that was goaltender interference on Alex Gamorne. Um, he basically pushed, I think it was Brian Dumoulin, into Jari, and I think afterwards Jari even raised his hand like, hey, you know, that's interference, but I guess Sullivan didn't want to challenge it and risked the chance of taking a minor penalty and putting that vaunted Tampa Bay power play back onto the ice. And then the second goal, I'm not really going to blame him too much for that. I saw some people calling that a softie. It was just a nice shot, um, five-hole on Jari. I think there was a little bit of a turnover behind the net. I think Latang actually turned that over, um, and it was a nice pass. I want to say from Stamkos to uh, Kalorn. So um, I'm nothing. I'm not really gonna just dump on him for those two goals. The game was basically over at that point anyway for both of them. But I will say this was a great start to the season for the team's number one goaltender. If he can put together performances like that throughout the season, I think that'll definitely get some fans uh, off the ledge, closer to being more content with him being the team starter. So. Really liked that performance from him. I thought Teddy Bluger put on a nice show. There was this one point Tampa Bay was pressuring, I want to say, close to the midway point of the third period. And uh, I believe at this point it was still 3 nothing. And I believe Braden Point had the puck, yes. And Teddy Bluger comes over, makes this little chip play, or lifts his stick, chips the puck out, and it's like, you know what? Those are the kind of plays that Teddy Bluger is being paid for. We don't talk about how great he is defensively enough, and that was the sort of play where it was like, you know, nothing was getting past the Penguins' defensive scheme that night. He was able to just kind of boss Braden Point around and take the puck off his stick with ease, and then the scoring chance was basically gone right from there. I also loved how Brian Dumoulin's helmet saved a scoring chance as the puck hit it and then went out of the zone. That was incredible. I really wanted to highlight that little play from Bluger because I know not a lot of fans see stuff like that, but you know, as someone who covers the team for this podcast and also writes about them for a couple sites, you know, I notice that kind of stuff and I want to bring those sort of plays to light a lot more to show that sometimes it's the little things that make a player really good in this league. So I very much appreciated that play. And I thought overall he did have a strong game. Marcus Pedersen as well. I thought he stood out, was making all of the right reads all night. You know, the people that always say that he's not physical enough or don't play in the front of, in, in front of his net well, those people really don't know what they're talking about, and they really shouldn't be taken seriously uh, within the Penguins fan base. So wanted to talk about that as well. Other than that, I don't really think too many other players stood out. It was just a really Good team win, and again, that four-check and the stingy defensive play was on display. Oh, now, you can definitely tell that Tampa was five. It also reminded me of the Penguins' 2017-18 opener after they won that second Stanley Cup in 2017 where they didn't have a lot of uh, left in the tank that night. And I'm pretty sure if I recall correctly, they lost to the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, I believe it was a 5-4 game, went to overtime, and then the Blues beat them in that overtime. But last night, just again, Tampa didn't have a lot. You know, they could, you could definitely tell, I think, that they were partying a bit too much the night before. And I will say this as well. Watching that game on ESPN, it was such a breath of fresh air. You can really tell that this network cares about covering the NHL. It, it's so different from NBC. Um, Sean McDonough calling hockey, I thought it felt really good. Uh, it flowed nicely. Ray Ferraro calling a game over someone like Pierre Maguire. Um, that's just like, 
buying a Lamborghini after having a Prius for all these years. I mean, I think that's honestly the best way to describe it. I loved how Ferraro kind of just dumped on that 90s uh, devil's trap during the broadcast. I thought that was awesome. I think Emily Kaplan also used the words pissed off uh, to describe a player during that. You know, I, I want more of that on broadcast as well. Um, some of the camera angles definitely, I think, need a bit of work. I think the overhead shot probably has to go. There were some audio issues, but all in all, I thought it was a fantastic debut from ESPN. And even all day leading up to that game, they were talking a lot about the Penguins and the Lightning. Just goes to show that, you know, if you put the sport into a proper network's hands, they will talk about it a lot and really help grow the game. You know, you have someone like Sean McDonough in there who's called a lot of sports, college football, NFL. I'm pretty sure he's also done NBA, I think, a little bit as well. You know, with Ray Ferraro, who I think is the top color commentator in this sport, it's going to go a long way. And I thought Emily Kaplan um, inside the glass was great too. It felt so refreshing not having to hear Pierre Maguire just spam Chris Tang down our throats and analytic equations and all whatever nonsense he said. So really enjoy that broadcast, and I can't wait to see more games broadcasted on ESPN that are the Penguins. Uh, finally, wanted to say going into the next segment, um, I think people need to stop doubting the Penguins a bit too much. It's kind of like I saw this on Twitter from someone. You know, it's almost like show me the body when it comes to the Penguins. I saw people predicting them to finish sixth in the con- not in the conference, excuse me, but sixth in the Metropolitan Division. I don't really know where that's coming from. I mean, as long as this team has Mike Sullivan, they're going to have a shot at making the playoffs and doing some damage every single year. They're going to be healthy right after this game. I mean, Jake Gensel and Zach Aston Reese are already on the ice for practice. That's going to be one of our next topics of discussion in the next segment, as well as some post-game takeaways from you all. So um, the, the demise of the Penguins might have been greatly exaggerated, though. They will face another tough test when they play the Florida Panthers on Thursday night. So... That wraps up this segment of the Locked On Penguins podcast for today. Uh, Again, coming up in the next one, we're going to get to some listener takeaways as well as some practice notes and see if Gensel and Zach Aspenries are doing line rushes and all that. And also some thoughts on POJ's uh, recall from Wilkes-Barre today. Before we do that, though, BetOnline is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at LO underscore Penguins. Uh, so the lines at practice um, have been revealed. Again, Gensel and Aston Reese and actually Sid are back on the ice. And Jake Gensel has reclaimed his spot on the top line with Jeff Carter and Ryan Rust. Danton Heinen slides down to a line with Brock McGinn and Teddy Bluger. So it looks like Jake will at least be back for the Pens on Thursday against the Panthers. Uh, again, Ashton Reese, Drew O'Connor, and Cindy Crosby are not skating, so it looks like O'Connor will be the odd man out right now. Definitely an interesting choice, but you know, with how Sam Lafferty played last night, I'm willing to uh, give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't know if any of you all saw this, but he went one-on-one with Ryan McDonough and tried a little power move on him. And it's like, you know, I applaud someone like Sam Lafferty trying that. You can definitely tell that he has a little more confidence with his game if he's trying something like that. As for the defense, though, 
Dumoulin will be with Latang, Pedersen with Marino, and then Friedman with Joseph and Ruedel are rotating. Yes, P.O. Joseph was recalled from Wilkesbury today. So that, I think, shows that Matheson's injury is a bit more serious than some may have thought it would be. Matheson is likely not going to play against the Panthers. I will be curious to see if we do see a P.O.J. Uh, and Chad Ruedel pairing, even though I thought Friedman was mostly fine last night, but it looks like we could have POJ's debut very early on in the season. I think this could be a good thing for the Penguins because we can get to see uh, what he did over the offseason and uh, see if his game has transformed a little bit since the last time we saw him play for this team. So there are your updates on that. The Panthers are going to be a very tough test. Sasha Barkov just signed that fresh eight-year extension. I think Jonathan Huberdeau is one of the most underrated players in the league. He put up uh, point-per-game seasons in almost each of the last three to four seasons. One of those was a 91-point season. Um, he does not get the credit that he, he deserves for being a great playmaker and a really good goal scorer. Mackenzie Weger is almost just as good as Aaron Ekblad. You can honestly make the argument that he is as good as Ekblad. We all know how great Ekblad is. He was having a tremendous season last year before going out with a, what I believe is an ankle injury. Frank Vertrano, Owen Tippett, old friend Patrick Hornquist. We have not seen Hornquist since the trade to the Panthers, as of course the Penguins did not play the Florida at all last year. So that should be an interesting game going up against a fan favorite. And I'm not really sure who's starting in net. It's going to be one of Sergei Bobrovsky or Spencer Knight. But if I had to guess, I think it will be Spencer Knight, who, again, if he's as good as a lot of people say he's going to be, uh, they're going to be a real problem this year. Uh, now, Let's get to your post-game takeaways. Ryan King, 702. Nice to see you back in my mentions, man. He says, I thought they had a nice pep to their step. Boyle looked really good and could be a nice veteran presence to have. Yeah, I think Boyle, at least after that game, is making me eat my words a little bit. I know I tweeted out a couple of days ago that this could be a waste in about a week or two because there's going to be three forwards coming back. So where is he going to have a place in the lineup? But if he plays like that, um, he'll be playing on a nightly basis, at least until if Kenny Malkin comes back. And even if you have to put him in the press box, the team is still going to rally around that kind of player. And you can really tell that they love playing with him. I mean, again, I touched on this in the earlier segment. Look at how they celebrated when he scored last night. It was almost just like, you know, he's been there for five or six years. Um, they just really have come to respect him. They were just messing around with him in training camp. It looked like I really like how they seem to just have embraced him uh, thus far. Alan T. Yoder, it is only one game, but it is very impressive. Though it is it is a bit misleading since most of the goals were empty nets, which is an interesting strategy. Again, Alan, yeah, I mean, he went full Patrick Waugh. You know, usually when Waugh was with Colorado, sometimes he would do it with eight minutes left. But again, the biggest blunder that John Cooper made last night was pulling the goalie again 20 seconds later. I think he should have waited two more minutes to pull the goalie. I think that would have made uh, a lot more sense. True North Penns fam says, that was a statement game to me. Sullivan had those boys ready to go. Very impressed on many levels. Hopefully a continuation of last year's successes and that continues to build. And I think seeing the cup tonight at United these Penguins, great effort on all levels. I 100% agree with you. Uh, Sullivan definitely had them ready to go. I think this was one of his best coaching performances in the six years that he has been here. I'd honestly put it up close to a top five coaching performance and you know there's been a lot of great games you know the game game seven against the capitals game six against nashville that was such a masterpiece game uh, i'm trying to think of a couple others here game six against san jose obviously that comes to mind with how great they were in the third period defensively in that one but this one is definitely 
uh, borderline top five, if not in the top five, with how much the odds were stacked against them and how, honestly, no one was betting on them to win. So, yeah, definitely a statement game. And I think I definitely agree that seeing the cup in there tonight ignited them just because they were the last team to have that back-to-back. So um, I think that was definitely weighing on them a little bit as well. Iris AJ says Marino looked great. Boyle needs a spot in the lineup when the team is 100% healthy. Tembe looked gas and slow after two long cup runs. Yes, I agree with that. Marino looked awesome. It was definitely uh, a more encouraging performance from him to start this season than what we saw last season. If he can continue that as he starts that new contract, no one is really going to be complaining about that. That's for sure. Um, I think you'll see Boyle continue to play if he plays like that until Juno returns. But um, when Malkin returns, I just don't know if there is going to be a spot for him in the lineup just because I don't think that Sullivan will play him over Dom Simone, who I also thought was really good last night. But it'll make for um, some tough roster choices. But, you know, when you are 14, 15 forwards deep, that's all you can ask for. I don't really think... Um, as far as top 14 to 15 forward unit groups go, um, there are not many teams that can boast the lineup that the Penguins can. And, you know, defensively as well, you know, you have those top eight defensemen that you have right now on the team. There are not many teams that can, you know, put out a better top eight than the Penguins can. Uh, Tim Fritz says, I came into this game worried about the team, especially with this lineup, but everyone stepped up in the Sid, you know, absence. The defense surprised me. looked pretty great without CC. Long way to go, but a great start in Sid can only help. Yeah, I- I'm sure Sid can only help, though. I'm sure we're going to get the takes of, well, is this team worse without Sidney Crosby? Here's my column with a colon. So, um, obviously, Sid is going to help a lot when he comes back. I would assume it is going to be on Saturday. And again, I was definitely concerned about going into this matchup. But yeah, I think everyone will say that they surprised a lot of people. Philip Cox says Lafferty looked way better this season. They can still score by committee when needed to. I'm still worried about what will happen with the overall team depth. I honestly think, Philip, that depth is going to be just fine. It's a good problem to have when you are 14 forwards deep. And you can see just with the depth players scoring last night that, you know, they have that um, to offset for when Sid and Gino were going to be out at least to start the season. But when Sid comes back, um, it's going to be obviously a lot better because he can carry his own line. And then, you know, Jeff Carter moves down, Teddy Bluger moves down, uh, someone like Brian Boyle is able to move down as well. Then, especially when Evgeny Malkin comes back, it's going to be even better of a problem to have. So I don't really worry too much with team depth. I think they have one of the better four groups in the league. And I will agree with you on Lafferty. You know, that what he did last night, that saucer pass and trying to go one-on-one with McDonough. Um, It was a nice change of pace, though. We have been fooled with this player many times, so hopefully um, that is the start of what is to come with this player. And then last but not least, Gilbert the Goat. Uh, Jari with a huge bounce back after the Brewer playoffs. I thought Ruedel had a sneaky good game. Um, That is something that I have not heard enough about. I'm glad that you brought that up, uh, Nick, because... uh, Chad, he's he's always going to give you that steady game. You know, 15, 16 minutes a night. You don't want him playing 21 to 22 minutes, but if you have him that 15 to 17 minute range, he'll give you good defensive play and he can chip in offensively at times as well. So I thought he was good, was making the right reads, uh, was good with his zone exits and zone entries. Um, it's everything you want to see in a number six defenseman. He also says, I was happy with the new guys as well. Great game from Brock McGinn and Heinen. Um, I will say, I thought McGinn did have a good... Uh, 
uh, debut. He had a couple really nice scoring chances. I think on one of them was a two-on-one, fired it on glove side on Vasilevsky, but he was able to make a good save, thought he was going to potentially score that first goal of the season. So, liked what I also saw from Heinen, and Nick also ends with, I hope people took note that Sullivan is a top three coach in hockey after this game. And yes, I hope people did as well. There are not uh, three to five coaches that are better than him, even when it's been six years since he was hired. Now, the people that want to fire Mike Sullivan in this Penguins fan base, I will never understand those people. Now, if the team goes ahead and stinks this year and doesn't make the playoffs, okay, maybe there's a little bit of a warranted argument there, though I don't see that happening when it comes to this team. But um, I think that will do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Thank you all so much for joining me for this one. The next episode, I will have a game recap episode Tomorrow evening after the game against Florida, it'll be up late night. And then Friday, we will preview the home opener against the Chicago Blackhawks with Marc-Andre Fleury's return to Pittsburgh yet again. So that will be the schedule for the rest of the week. I hope you all enjoy listening to this one, and I will talk to you all tomorrow evening.